You're listening to audio from Highland Baptist Church in Waco, Texas. To find out more about Highland, go to www.hbcwaco.org. Well, good morning, Highland. How are we doing? We can do better than that. Come on. There we go. All right. All right. Well, my name is Matthew McKee, and I am absolutely humbled and honored to be speaking in front of you today. A little bit about me. I have been a member of Highland for about a year and a half, been attending for around six. I graduated from Baylor in 2017 with a mechanical engineering degree, and I'm now a plant engineer for Waco Composites here in Waco, Texas. I also serve on a young adults leadership team where we organize events for young adults, just like the cookout at Cameron Park we had a couple weeks ago, which is awesome. I'm also the co-leader for a young adults CG. So if you've not been here in the past month and a half, we are going through a series called Foundations, where we are studying some of the bedrock principles of the Christian faith. This has included the foundation of repentance, the foundation of singing, the foundation of hope because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. We looked at the foundation of the in-between, which is really where we studied what's the purpose of the Christian life in between salvation and heaven. We've also looked at the foundation of hospitality, of victory, and of Jesus' return. And today I'll be talking to you about the foundation of God's word. Now to understand why it's me, Matthew McKee, and not Pastor John talking to you today, within this foundation series is something called the Timothy Project where Pastor John gives to young men like myself the opportunity to preach a sermon. And again, I am absolutely humbled and honored to be in front of you today. Now to also understand why it's me, Matthew McKee, talking to you about the foundation of God's word, I have to take you back to the summer between my freshman and sophomore years at Baylor, which is really where the Lord absolutely, truly captured my heart. And with that capture, he immediately impressed upon my heart a deep desire to know his word. And there's an interesting story with that. When I was driving back from a movie that next semester when I was back at Baylor, I saw a car pass me with a license plate that said Psalm 19. And I thought to myself, oh cool, someone's got a license plate with Psalm 19. Psalm 19? What's so special about Psalm 19? Everybody knows Psalm 119. I went home, opened up my Bible, read it, and it has been absolutely foundational for me in validating the Lord's press upon my heart to know his word. And so fast forward to this past December when I woke up from an email from Pastor John asking if I would participate in the foundation series, I can't tell you how immediately the Lord oppressed upon my heart. Foundation of God's word, Psalm 19. And immediately after that, a whole mess of butterflies started flying around inside me. Literally legions of butterflies were inside of me. But the reality, church, is his grace is sufficient for me, for his power is made perfect in my weakness, and so I am standing in front of you today boasting in my weakness so that his power, not mine, may rest upon me, and so that he may be able to speak through me to you and also to me today, because the reality is there's not a single thing that I'm going to say that I don't also need to hear again. I've given this sermon in front of the mirror many times, but I need to hear it yet again. So church, we are gonna take a stroll through Psalm 19, verse by verse, and understand why God's word truly is in fact foundational, because spoiler alert, it is. It is foundational. So would you join me in prayer before we open his word? Lord God, I'm so thankful that you are God and that I am not, and that 
hearts are changed by your word and not mine. And so, Lord, I ask that you use me faithfully, Father, and I know you will speak through me, use me, Father. And if it's be your will to change hearts today, I ask that you do that. You are someone who can do immeasurably more than all we can ask or imagine. And so I'm imagining you do something greatly today so that you can do immeasurably more than that. Father, again, I am so thankful for who you are. I thank you for this opportunity. I pray deeply for these people who are seated in seats in front of me. Lord, I ask that you stir in their hearts a desire to know your word because the reality is your word is living and active and it's sharper than any double-edged sword, Lord, and it is true. So Lord, again, I just thank you so much. And it's in your name, the name that's above every name, the name by which every knee will bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. It is in that name we pray, amen. All right, so turn to Psalm 19. This is uh, pretty much halfway in your Bible. And if you don't have your Bibles today, it will be on the screen behind me. And we are going to start in verse seven. The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The rules of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, even much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and the drippings of the honeycomb. Moreover, by them is your servant warned, and in keeping them there is great reward. Who can discern his errors? Declare me innocent from hidden faults. Keep back your servant also from presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over me. Then... I shall be blameless and innocent of great transgressions. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. So this psalm written by David, there's three distinct parts, verses one through six, which we did not read, really talks about how creation declares the glory of God. Verses seven through 11 really talk about the realities of God's word and its effect on us. And then verses 12 through 14 is David's plea to God for grace. So all three of these sections really give insight into why God's word is foundational, but we will spend the majority of the time in verses seven through 11 and see the incredible importance of verses 12 through 14. And so the Lord's given me eight points today that I'll be giving to you that really help us give insight into why God's word is foundational. So like I said, we're gonna be going through this verse by verse. So if you go back to verse seven, let's take a look at that and break it down. The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. So let's look at that first half. We see law, what is that? That stands for his instruction and his direction. That's his overall instruction and direction. And it's perfect. The law of the Lord is perfect. That means it's whole, it is complete. It is sound. And we see that it revives. It revives the soul. That man, that stands for to turn back. It turns us back to him. So you could read this in a sense, the instruction and direction of the Lord is perfect, i.e. it's whole, it's complete, it's sound, and it turns us back to him. One of the most incredibly amazing things to remember as you read God's word is that it is simultaneously that author's word, in this case, David's, but it's as well, it's God's word as well. The Bible, though physically written by imperfect people, creates a whole, perfect, complete, sound word, which is incredible. Only an all-powerful God can do that. Only our God can do that. 
Church, the reality is that all scripture is God-breathed, useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the man of God may be fully equipped for every good work. That's 2 Timothy 3, 16 through 17. And above all, you must understand that no prophecy of scripture came about by a prophet's own interpretation for prophecy does not have its origin in the will of man. But men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. That's 2 Peter 1, 20 through 21. And the church, because all of it is his word and all of it is perfect, it all has the ability to turn us back to him. And I'll be the first one to say, I need to be turned back daily, if not every moment. I, I can get so anxious. I can, get, I can catastrophize so many situations. I mean, literally in preparation for the sermon, like I said, butterflies, legions of butterflies. I like to follow me around everywhere. But what does his word say? What does his word say? Do not be anxious about anything, but by prayer and petition and with thanksgiving, give your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. It will. Believe it. It's Philippians 4, 6 through 7. And then when I catastrophize so many situations, literally the next verse after that says, finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, noble right, pure, lovely, all those things, but that first one, whatever is true, think about that. Think about the truth. So let's move on. Let's keep looking at the second half of verse seven. We read that again. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. It's sure. It means it's confirmed, established, it's verified, it's faithful, it's trustworthy. It's sure. I say it again. It's sure. You can trust it. You can be sure of what he says. And there's an idea of it's established in that idea of, of being sure the word says that the grass withers and the flower falls, but the word of the Lord stands forever, Isaiah 48. And it makes wise a simple, and that's us. We're the simple ones. We're the open-minded ones. We're the naive ones. We're the foolish ones. I mean, I think we can, we can think that we're wise, but the reality is we're not. But oh, the depths of the riches of the wisdom and the knowledge of God, and he has made those available to us, and how gracious and amazing is that? Church, two points coming from this. God's word is foundational because number one, it is perfect, it's whole, it's complete, it's sound, and it turns us back to him. And number two, God's word is foundational because it is sure, it is confirmed, it's established, it's verified, it's faithful, and makes wise the simple, which is us. I'll say that again. God's word is foundational, number one, because it's perfect, it's whole, it's complete, it is sound, and it turns us back to him. And number two, it is foundational because it is sure, it is confirmed, it is established, it is faithful, it is verified, it makes wise the simple, which is us. That's the reality. Moving on to verse eight, let's take a look at that. We see that the precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. Let's just look at that first half. It's precepts, what does that stand for? It's his statutes, his enacted laws, his rules. Again, you can't have an enacted law or a rule without word. It's his word. It's right, that means it's straight, it's upright, it's correct. And rejoices the heart, that's this gladdening of the heart. There's this deep, deep joy that should come after reading his word because it's right. Look, this is right. It's the foundation, it's, it's the standard. I mean, believe it. Now contrast that with man's precepts. There's a way that seems right to man, but the end it leads to death, Proverbs 16, 25. 
and the heart is deceitful above all else. Jeremiah 17, nine. Church, we gotta be so discerning as we walk through this life because literally every TV show, so many TV shows, so many ads, so many commercials, billboards are just declaring anything other than the name of Jesus and it's his name that everyone's gonna bow someday. Satan, he's a lion looking to devour. He's a wolf in sheep's clothing and he is called the great deceiver. I love this quote from Charles Spurgeon. It'll be on the screen behind me. It says that discernment isn't knowing the difference between right and wrong. It's knowing the difference between right and almost right. We'll say it again. Discernment isn't knowing the difference between right and wrong. It's knowing the difference between right and almost right. Church, we gotta know deeply what's right if we are to catch the things that are almost right, but because of that, they're still wrong. But thank goodness that God has given us something that is right, that is a plumb line, that is foundational. And that's what should rejoice our heart. We don't have to rely on the law of the land. We don't have to rely on our own thoughts. We have something that is right, that we can fall back on. So number three, God's word is foundational because it is right and rejoices the heart. Can't be said any better. It's literally a restatement of the verse. And this is one thing the Lord continued to show me. And I want y'all to understand these points don't require deep theological thought to understand. I'm an engineer. I don't have a seminary degree or anything like that. All of Psalm 19 is literally just a list of simple statements. And so the Lord showed me in my study of this, this section of scripture that it is not knowledge of God's word that's foundational, but belief upon it that is. Just, just believe these simple truths. Believe that his word is perfect and it will revive your soul. Believe that the, law, believe that the testimony of the Lord is sure and that it makes you wise, that it's right and it's sure. Just believe it because that's a reality it is. Believe it. Let's look at the second part of verse eight. It says that the commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. Now his commandments, what does that stand for? It's literally what God commands, pretty simple. His commandments, and he commands things through his word. It's pure, that means it's clear and sincere like a true father's instruction. And it enlightens the eyes, that's those light bulb moments, the ability to see. Uh, Jonathan Pakluda, who is now the head pastor of Harris Creek Baptist Church, he mentioned in a sermon a couple years ago that he tells his kids, listen to me, not just because I say so, but because you can trust me. He says, listen to me, not just because I say so, but because you can trust me. And that's exactly the idea of this verse. Literally, God's saying, listen to me, not just because I say so, but because you can trust me. My commandments for you are good. They're good. I know you more than you know yourself. I created you, I love you, I know all the hairs on your head. I knit you together in your mother's womb. I ordained all the days given to you before one of them came to be. And he says, just listen to me, trust what I have for you is good. Even if it's a commandment that might be difficult, it's good for you. But this is seen so much in the book of Proverbs. The first couple chapters of Proverbs, we see it's, it's a father speaking to a son. And the neat thing is that again, remember that it's simultaneously that author's word, but as well, it's God's as well. And so you can read that as God is speaking to me as a father to a son. What a good father we have for him to give us his word. And what an appropriate word for today, given that today's Father's Day. So church, God's word is foundational, number four, because it is pure. 
like a father's sincere instruction and gives us the ability to see in this dark world. Again, number four, it is pure, like a father's sincere instruction and gives us the ability to see in this dark world. So moving along, we see first part of verse nine. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. Well, this statement seems a little bit out of place in relation to all the ones we just read. It's not specifically talking about his word. But why is this important as David was writing this psalm? The reality is that the fear of the Lord is clean and it endures forever. That's the reality. And it's clean because of his altogether goodness. God is so good that when we try to compare ourselves to him, it should bring fear in our hearts because he is so, so good. Now, fear comes after truly knowing who God is and who we are in light of him. Now, where is the number one source where we learn who God is? Right here. His word. So you wanna know who God is? You wanna know just a small glimpse of who God is? It'll be on the screen behind me. Isaiah 40, 28 through 29 says, have you not known, have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the faint and to him who has no might, he increases strength. That's God. But what about his son, Jesus? Who's Jesus? Contrary to popular worldly belief, he was not just a man. He was not just a prophet. He was not just someone who changed the course of history. He was not just someone by whom AD and BC have any meaning, which all that's an impressive resume. No, church. You wanna know who God is? You wanna know who God is? This or Jesus? You wanna know who Jesus is? This is Jesus. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him, all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things and in him, all things hold together. He is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. That's Jesus. Can I get an amen? Amen. There we go. Church, God's word is foundational, number five, because it teaches us who God is, who we are in light of him, which instill in our hearts a clean fear that endures forever. God's word is foundational because it teaches us who God is and who we are in light of him, which should instill in our hearts a clean fear that endures forever. And I know I'm going fast, and so you might not be able to write all these down. And so I just encourage you to just reread Psalm 19 because if you notice, these verses are, or these points are pretty darn similar to just the verse. So remember Psalm 19. Look at the second part of verse nine. We see that the rules of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. The rules of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. His rules, what's that stand for? His judgments, his decisions and that comes from his word. It's true, that it means it's, it's firm, it's stable, it's faithful, it's sure, it's reliable. And it rejoices, or righteous altogether, all of it is right. Righteous altogether, all of it is right. It's easy to remember. Now we really hit the truths of this verse in verses seven through eight. 
with his word being sure and it is right. But church, you wanna know something that's true? You wanna know something that's true? I was dead in the trespasses and sins in which I once walked. I used to follow the course of this world. I used to follow the prince of the power of the air that is now working the sons of disobedience. I was by nature a child of wrath. But God, being rich in mercy and because of the great love with which he loved me, he made me alive together with Christ. And that's a paraphrase of Ephesians chapter two, verses one through 10. And church, if, 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 you, if the Lord has captured your heart, read that section of scripture, input your own name there and make it present tense or make it, make it first person, really, that you were dead. You were dead in the trespass and sins you used to walk. That's, that was, that's me. I was dead in the trespass and sins in which I once walked. But God, being rich in mercy and because of the great love with which he loved me, he made me alive together with Christ. And that's the reality. It's amazing. But there are some of you who are here today who have never given your life to Christ. And the reality is you could read that verse, Ephesians 2, 1 through 10. You can insert your own name, make it first person and make it present tense. You are dead. You are dead in your trespasses and sins in which you are walking. You are following the course of this world. You are following the prince of the power of the air that does not work in the sense of disobedience. You are by nature a child of wrath, but you don't wanna know the reality? But God, being rich in mercy and because of the great love with which he still loves you, he can make you alive together with Christ. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved, Romans 10, 9. That's the truth. That's the gospel. That's the good news. And it's good news because it's true. It's true. Believe it, church. He who has an ear, let him hear, Father. He who has an ear, let him hear. God's word is foundational because, number six, it is true and all of it is right. Again, these are simple statements. Just believe it. God's word is foundational because it's true and all of it is right. Continue on to verses 10 through 11. Let's see what it says. More to be desired are they than gold, even much fine gold. Sweeter also than honey and the drippings of the honeycomb. Moreover, by them is your servant warned and in keeping them there is great reward. We see they and them. They and them, what's that? They're referencing, David's referencing everything that we've just read. They and them, that's his law, his instruction, his testimony, his precepts, his commandments, his rules, his word. Gold and much fine gold, that's anything of monetary value. Sweeter than honey? Honey is the sweetest natural thing there is. This is the reality, church. This is the reality. It is more precious than gold. It is sweeter than honey. Look, his word is more to be desired than gold, more to be desired than a job, more to be desired than a salary, more to be desired than a promotion. And his word is sweeter than honey, sweeter than the most natural thing, sweet thing there is. But more than the fact that his word is sweeter than honey and more precious than gold is that we are warned by it and there is great reward in keeping it. So God's word is foundational number seven is it's worth more than money and sweeter than honey, which you should remember because it rhymes. And we are warned by it and there is great reward in keeping it. Again, it's worth more than money and sweeter than honey. We are warned by it and there is great reward in keeping it. 
Now there is great reward in keeping, in keeping his word, but does this reward mean salvation? Does this mean that if I were to just follow all of his laws, all of his commandments, all of his precepts, all of his rules, and fear him perfectly, would I be saved? No, church. The reality is I can't. There is no one righteous. No, not one. Not a single one of you could ever do this. No one ever could. And David speaks to this point, which is so important. Church, do not miss this. If you've been asleep while I've been talking, wake up right now and listen to this. Verses 12 through 14. Who can discern his errors? Declare me innocent from hidden faults. Keep back your servant also from presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over me. Then I shall be blameless and innocent of great transgression. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Look, the reality is, David knew the only way he could be innocent is if God simply declared him to be innocent. That's said in verse 12. He says, declare me innocent from hidden faults. He knew he had hidden faults. But look, he also knew that we just read that the law of the Lord is perfect. And he believed it. He knew and believed that. He knew and believed that the testimonies of the Lord were sure. All those things. He believed all of it. But he still also knew and believed that he still had hidden faults and had committed presumptuous sins. But church, this is key. Don't miss this. He knew and believed that if God declared him innocent, then he would be innocent. But it had to be a declaration from God, not anything he could do. And y'all, that declaration came for David, but also for you and me. As Jesus was hanging on the cross with blood pouring out of his right hand, his left hand, his feet, his back, his head, He declared that blood, that blood that should have been our blood. He declared it is finished. That, that was the declaration. David knew that had to happen. And how cool we get to see that as we read his word. He knew it had to be a declaration from God. Look, it's always been about faith. He believed that if God declared him innocent, he would be innocent. It's always been about faith, never about works. Abraham, father of the faith, father of the Israelites. He believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness as we read in his word. And then we see that if we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in our hearts that God raised him from the dead, we will be saved. If we believe in our hearts that God raised him from the dead, we will be saved. It's always been about faith, never about works. So church, God's word is foundational number eight because through it we learn that it is by grace alone through faith alone, and in Christ Jesus alone are you and I saved and given a new life. Through it, we learn that it is by grace alone, through faith alone, and in Christ Jesus alone are you and I saved and given a new life. So how do we apply this today, church? How do we apply this today? Open and read. Simply open his word. Believe, deeply believe the truths of Psalm 19 as you open and read. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind, Romans 12, 2. Be transformed by his word. I mean, you may have the thought, well, well I haven't read in such a long time. Where do I, where would I start? Where do I begin? And a great place to start is reread Psalm 19. I mean, you just heard it. Deeply, re- deeply read it this week. Or you could go to any of the other foundation series that we've, or the, in the foundation series, any of the other sections of scripture we've gone to. We've gone through 1 Corinthians 15 twice. 
I think that's a pretty good one to go back to and reread because it's pretty darn foundational. You wanna know more about the life of Jesus? Read the Gospel of John. You wanna, wanna know how to live in wisdom? Read James. You wanna know more about who Jesus is? Colossians. I just read a section that describes who Jesus is. We're also going over it in the ABF. Them who are over on the other side right now are going through Colossians. So if you wanna to come to the gate 40 next time, then go to Colossians the next service. There you go, next time. You might be thinking, well, well, when do I read? You know, I, I want to, but when do I do that? How do I fit it in? Psalm 1 says that blessed is he who delights in the law of the Lord and meditates on it day and night for he shall be like a tree planted by streams of water bearing fruit in season. His leaves do not wither and everything he does prospers. That sounds like a pretty awesome reality for those who are daily, evening and morning in the word. So I'd encourage you just use that as your example, morning and evening. Get into his word, open and read and deeply believe the truths that the Lord reveals to you. You might, well, how how do I start? How do I start? You got to pray. You have to pray before you get into his word. Ask the Lord to soften your hearts. Ask, ask him to, Lord, reveal to me what you want me to see. I know your word. I know your word is perfect and it does revive my soul. I know that your testimonies are sure and they make me wise. So Lord, I'm asking that you give that to me right now. So lastly, y'all, before I close, I wanna speak a specific word to all the fathers today. Look, I'm not a father but I'm the result, first and foremost, by a faithful heavenly father who captured my heart. But secondly, I am the result of a faithful earthly father who made it so incredibly easy for me to see Jesus every day. He loved me so much and directed me in the way I should go every day. I'm incredibly thankful for that. Church, I want you to read this scripture to you Second Peter 1, 12 through 15 says, so I will always remind you of these things even though you know them and are firmly established in the truth that you now have. I think it is right to refresh your memory as long as I live in the tent of this body because I know that I'll soon put it aside as the Lord Jesus Christ has made it clear to me. And I will make every effort to see that after my departure, you will be able to remember these things. This is a father's verse. Fathers, what are you making every effort to see that after your departure, your family will be able to remember? I challenge and urge you that it would be something that's perfect, something that's sure, something that's pure, something that's clean, something that's true, something that's more precious than gold, something that's sweeter than honey, something that stands forever. May it be something that's foundational. May it be God's word. Church, his word has gone out and the reality is it will not return void. So I'm asking the band to come out right now. I'm asking the, our prayer leaders to come up to the front. And church, if, if the Lord has impressed anything upon your heart today, I ask that you come up to the front. We have prayer altars up here for you to come and kneel before the Lord and give your request to him. And we should know, we know that the, once we give our request to him, the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard our hearts and our mind in Christ Jesus. But more than that, if you don't know Jesus today, today is the day. These people up front will be so willing and eager to help you know Jesus today. So church, would you pray with me before we close? Lord, I'm so thankful 
that you are God and I'm not. Lord, that you are the one who does the work and not me. Lord, may the words of my mouth and meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sights. O Lord, my rock and my redeemer, I thank you for doing a work today. I know you have. And Lord, I imagine you do so much more so you can do immeasurably more than that. Lord, whatever is to my profit, may I consider a loss for the sake of Christ. And what is more, may I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider those things rubbish so that I may gain Christ and be found in him. Lord, may that be the reality for every person sitting here today, that they fix their eyes on you, on you, your son, Jesus, that they turn their eyes upon you, knowing that the things of this earth will grow strangely dim. Lord, knowing that you are God and we are not. So Lord, I thank you for your word. I thank you so much for your word. May those here deeply have a desire to read and know your word. God, thank you so much for who you are. It's in your name, the name that's above every name, the name by which every knee will bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. It's your name, who's the alpha and the omega and the beginning and the end. Lord, you are God. It's in your precious and holy name we pray, amen.